A number of years ago, I read a story about a man in Taiwan who was planning a visit with some of his friends to one of the area's best restaurants. Wanting to maximize the experience and get as much out of it as he possibly could, he went the, most, of the, most of the day without eating much because he wanted to save a lot of room for all the yumminess and, and, and get it all in and enjoy as much of it as he could. And so as they walked to the restaurant, they were very excited about what was coming, only to discover when they got to the restaurant and it probably would have been good if they had checked the hours of the restaurant because when they got there, the restaurant was closed. And so they stood outside the restaurant, not being able to get in, not being able to get any food and feeling really, really hungry because of course he hadn't eaten much that day. And so they walked across the street feeling really disappointed, feeling really hungry. There was a gas station and they went in and they grabbed a few snacks. And in the process, he bought a lottery ticket and ended up winning $3 million. And so what turned out to be kind of a big disappointment very quickly turned into something worth celebrating. For those of you who've been abused, the opposite often happens. You thought you had something worth celebrating. A wonderful marriage. A great friend. An awesome first date. Wonderful companionship. Somebody who was willing to sit down and listen to you. Listen to whatever you said. But then it very quickly turned into something different. And when it does, you're often left wondering, well, how did this happen? How did this happen? The Bible gives us some very basic insight into how that happens. If you go all the way back to the beginning, back to the Garden of Eden with, with Adam and Eve and the serpent, and when Adam and Eve were spiritually abused by the serpent and, and they were suffering the consequences and God came in and he made them a promise. And he promised them that he was going to save them from it. That what happened in that garden wasn't going to get the best of them in the end. But it's important to note that when he made the promise, Satan didn't immediately disappear. Sin didn't immediately get erased from the world. They were still there, just like they are still here. And maybe you have felt the results of that as Satan or sin has gotten a hold of somebody else's heart and made you the victim. But it's also important to note something else. That even though sin and Satan are a constant presence in this world, it didn't take away God's promise. The promise is still here too. And it's a promise we see fulfilled in many different ways over the course of time, but one in particular that I want to draw your attention to. It's, in, it's later on in the book of Genesis, in the life of somebody who knew what it was like to be abused over the long haul. Joseph, sold by his brothers. It's nothing more, treated as nothing more than a piece of property. He was abused for many, many years until finally he was, he was pulled out of prison and, 
and he was elevated to a very high and powerful position. And when he was in that powerful position and things were going much better for him than they had been almost two decades earlier, he had two children. And in Genesis chapter 41, he names his two children. And he tells us why he names his children what he did. In Genesis 41, it says, Joseph named his firstborn Manasseh and said, It is because God has made me forget all my trouble. And then the second son, he named Ephraim and said, It is because God has made me fruitful in the land of my suffering. You know, and with Manasseh, it's not that the troubles he had been through had been erased from his memory. He was obviously remembering them as he was naming, as he was naming his son. But it was as if he had forgotten what it was like to be ruled by them. And God did that for him. And then with Ephraim, he made him fruitful in the land of his suffering. He remembered his suffering. But God did something amazing through it. He created good things that never would have happened without it. And it wouldn't be the last time God would ever do such a thing. He also did it on a day when it looked like God had completely forgotten about every good promise he had ever made. On the day that the Son of God was hanging on a cross and suffering after having been abused over and over again and again. Such abuse that it killed him. Killed the man who on the third day was alive again. He was alive again. And how did that happen? That somebody who had been hurt, somebody who had been through so much pain was full of life and glowing with perfection? Well, God kept a promise. He promised to love you. And he did. Because by that death and by that resurrection, he guaranteed a day in your future when you're never going to hurt ever again. And maybe or maybe not you'll remember what was done to you but it won't rule over you. And maybe or maybe not, you'll remember the specific ways that you suffered. But in place of the suffering in your eyes, you'll see such abundant fruit that God produced that it will no longer control you. All because God made a promise. A promise to love you. And he knows how to keep it. If you or someone you know is suffering from abuse, please go to timeofgrace.org backslash abuse to find more resources and information for getting help.